Section 31 of Anthropology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. Anthropology Book One by Emanuel Kant. Translated by Adolf Ernst Kroger. Section 31. Concerning the means of arousing and tempering the play of the power of imagination. Since the power of imagination is more rich and fruitful in representations than our sensuousness, it becomes, when passion is added to it, more active under the absence than it is in the presence of its object. That is to say, more aroused when something occurs which recalls to the mind the representation of that object, which seems to have been eradicated for a while by other matters. Thus a German prince, a noble-minded man, though otherwise a rough warrior, had undertaken a voyage to Italy in order to rid himself of his love for a lady of common birth. But on his return the first view of her dwelling-place stirred up his imagination far more powerfully than permanent intercourse could have done, and he yielded without further delay to his inclination, which happily fulfilled all his expectations. This disease, being the effect of a fantastic power of imagination, is incurable except through marriage. For marriage is truth. Eripiter persona men at res. Lucretius. The fantastic power of imagination creates a sort of self-communion, and although merely with phenomena of the internal sense, yet in analogy with the external senses. It gives life to night, and elevates it above its actual state, even as the moon, which in broad daylight is to be seen only as an insignificant cloud, makes a grand figure on the skies at evening time. It is at work in him who lucubrates in the silence of the night, or disputes with his imaginary opponent, or pacing his room builds castles in the air. But everything that appears to such a one important at that time loses all its importance on the next morning following the night's sleep, and in the course of time he will experience a decline of his mental faculties as the result of this bad habit. Hence it is a very useful rule, as a measure of psychological diet, for such a person to tame his imagination by going to sleep early in order to be able to rise early, although women and hypochondriacs, who generally derive their morbid state from that very cause, prefer the opposite. Why can we still listen late at night to ghost stories, which in the morning, soon after getting up, appear to everybody absurd and utterly unfit for conversation, whereas at that time we rather ask what has happened new in the house, or in the world at large, or continue our labors of the previous day. The reason is, because that which is, in itself mere play, is appropriate for the relaxation of the forces exhausted in the daytime, while that which is business is proper for the man who has been strengthened by his night's rest, and been born anew, as it were. The shortcomings, vidya, of the power of imagination, are these. That its working is either unbridled, or worse still, ruleless, Ephrenis ut perversa. The latter is the worst fault, for the first class of production might, after all, find a place in a possible world, in the world of fable. But the latter have no place in the world, since they contradict each other. As an instance of the former class of imaginations, I may refer to the shudder with which the Arabs regard the stone figures of men and animals so frequently met with in the Libyan desert. Looking upon them as they do, as human beings petrified by the curse, this is unbridled imagination. 
but it is a contradiction when the same Arabs imagine that these images of animals will, on the day of universal resurrection, snarl at the artist who made them, and upbraid him because he was not able to endow them with souls. A merely unbridled fantasy can, after all, always take a side turn, as, for instance, in the case of the poet, of whom Cardinal Esty asked, when he was presented with a copy of the book dedicated to him, Master Ariosto, where the devil did you pick up all this mad stuff? This sort of fantasy is superabundance and luxury from pure wealth. But ruleless fantasy approaches insanity, wherein the imagination plays unlimited revel in the mind, and the unhappy victim has no control whatever over the course of his ideas. It is still to be remarked that the political artist has, as well as his aesthetical brother, the power to rule and govern the world, mundus vult decipi, by the power of imagination, which he causes to pass current as actuality. For instance, of liberty, as in the English Parliament, or of equality, as in the French Parliament, which, however, consist of mere formalities. Nevertheless, it is better that mankind should have, were it but the semblance of this ennobling good, than feel itself palpably deprived of it. End of section 31